Welcome back to another episode of Fight in Progress, a podcast conversation about our men and women in law enforcement and the challenges they face. With lead stress coach and founder of Under the Shield Foundation, Susan Simmons, and Arizona police officer, Ace Walker. Welcome to Fight in Progress. You know, we've never really explained what that title's all about, Ace. Hit me with it. Well, I mean, I just think it Fight in Progress for law enforcement, militaries, and their families mm-hmm. is kind of self-sufficient, except that it could be internal, external, family. Well, that's what I was thinking when I wrote it up. Public. You did a good job on that. Ooh, thanks. If we've never commended you on the air, <laughs> I have to give you credit. I don't take credit for other people's things, even though I usually do most of the work. That's true. That ball, that's crap. <laughs> anyway, we're glad you joined us again and hope we have our people from Brussels. Yeah. Oh, wow. Hello, people yeah. from Brussels. Yes. Hi. I don't know what they speak in Brussels, but they must speak Southern because they're listening to us. It's Well, fair. That or they're laughing at our accents. And going, what's wrong with these people? We need to look that up and see who, what they speak in Brussels. Yeah. Maybe learn some of their language and say, I'd, learn I'd take a guess, but I'd probably sound like an idiot. <laughs> Guessing. Because I, I don't know <laughs> geography. <laughs> anyway, we have we have two interesting guests today. Well, I'll be the judge of that. Yeah, I know. And we'll let the audience determine <laughs> if, they t- if they message us and say they want them to come back or not. Yeah. But I think it's a topic worth discussing for sure. And that is law enforcement married to law enforcement. What a concept. Oh, dear God. Why would you ever? <laughs> well, was, I guess part of those questions would be, did you do it on purpose? Right. Or did it happen after the fact it's, when you already walked Did somebody in? lie? Did somebody lie? Yeah. We might have been intoxicated. <laughs> wow. Okay. It, it's all coming together. It is. <laughs> it's all coming together. Yeah, I think it'll be quite interesting, actually. Um, French and Dutch, just to answer your question. They about speak Russell. what? French? French and Dutch. French. Okay. This. All right. You learned Dutch. <laughs> I had some French in college. We'll see if I can remember any Dutch of it. Is, it's such a painful ver- language. Well, you're young. You, oh, you, you get to adapt to things a lot easier than I do at my age. Plus, the southern accent with Dutch, it doesn't really work well with French or Spanish. And I do have a history of liking pain. So. <laughs> but maybe another, less, yeah. another, another talk. Yeah. So we have Julie and Dave with us today. Hi, Julie and Dave. Hello. Hello. <laughs> this is Ace. Ace is our troublemaker. My name's Ace. I have a drinking problem. <laughs> we all do. We all should. I, I'm the one who should have the drinking problem having to deal with all you juveniles. Um, yeah, well. I, I don't know how you do it. So I could well. almost go straight to meth and be justified. <laughs> <laughs> Skip the alcohol, go straight to injectable. You'd do a lot more sessions. <laughs> That's right. true. No, I just carry a big stick. But anyway, but I, I think a lot of, there's probably a lot more law enforcement married to law enforcement than what we even realize. But I think sometimes it's, I see more dispatch to law enforcement, which is still law enforcement to law enforcement. I see a lot of nurses in law enforcement married. Yeah, there's another explanation for that one, but we won't go into that in this (laughs) episode. I know you like that one. There's a lot of things in law enforcement that, that we won't discuss. Just so it's not interpreted wrong, Susan doesn't hate all nurses. No, absolutely not. We, My we mother was that. a nurse. But we'll, we'll, we'll get into that one. So we'll episode. do a whole other episode on Yay, that. Yeah, personality that disorders. A, yeah, that might be a month long because yeah. um, I had one in yesterday. Okay, so you, you guys, both cops, right? Just so mm-hmm. the audience is clear. Two different okay. agencies. Two, different two agencies. cops, two different agencies. Right. How long each of you? I've been in law enforcement since 1996, so I volunteered for an agency. 86. You weren't even born then, were you? I'm sorry, 96. 
96. 96. Okay. So volunteered for seven years, and then I currently work at the agency I have been for uh, 18. Jeez, okay. going on 19. A little while. He's an old man. Yeah. He's almost as old as me. I'm the old crusty guy now. (laughs) Yeah. Who's always getting into stuff, though. He's not retired on active duty, I want to say. Yeah, well, we were talking a little bit before the episode started. It sounds like you're still out there kicking a little bit of ass. Occasionally. Try. When he wakes up between calls. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) You should have known this was my opportunity day. (laughs) Sorry. And I knew Julie would enjoy this, too. So. And, and then, Julie, you've been a cop for how long? Uh, 12 years. Um, I was dispatched seven years prior to that, so I started in about 2001. And I Jeez. worked for a smaller agency, and then I came here when Dave and I met and got married and had a child. Okay. So we have one child together. So 12 years, 18 years where you're at, Dave. And then how long have y'all been married? Six. Yeah, six. Oh, so you did do it on purpose. Yes, we did do it on purpose. Oh. We were sober. I was pregnant when we got married, so I was sober at that time. Um, <laughs> Not prior to the pregnancy. Not <laughs> at least temporarily. Yeah. There was a moment of clarity. There was alcohol yeah. involved. Where you both looked at each other and said, we're both cops, let's get married. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, so many questions. I know. On how that, how that works. Because I know, I know people who have met at, like, say, my old department that have gotten married. Mm-hmm. Um, but now neither of them are cops. <laughs> <laughs> but are they still married? Uh, they are. I, okay. I think so. it's um, the attraction is, of course, being able to understand and being able to talk, coming home and talking. Sure. And out of a generalized term and having somebody understand that. I think that's what the intrigue is at first. Right. Um, I've been in the, you know, we both worked for departments for a long time. We've seen the attractions that start that are unhealthy yep. in law enforcement. <laughs> um, sometimes they end up breaking a marriage. Other th- times they end up um, getting to, you know, maybe getting together and one might leave the agency. Um, we were, we had more of like the honeymoon time to where we were traveling to see each other on our days off. Um, because I was living out of town. So the attraction, I believe, comes from having someone that can relate to you in what you do. Right. And Yeah, you don't have to kind of doctor your day around them. Yeah. They're going to get it. Here's yeah. my question. Knowing y'all the way I do, I have an idea what the answer to this is, but do you think y'all could work at the same department? No. We wouldn't want to. Seriously, I wouldn't want to. Because? Um... Well, it's hard enough working in separate agencies, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I think you need the separation. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's it'd be constant. And then if you have a disagreement or anything like that, you would bring that to work. There's and then no you're escape. Clo- right, there's yeah. no escape from exactly. So you, yeah. Are there couples in either of your agencies that husband and wife both mm-hmm. work for the same agency? Yeah, we don't have nepotism where I work, and we have a, we have a handful of... Um, married officers and can they work the same shift they cannot work the same shift and i don't think they can work one can't be a senior to the other so like sergeant or something of that that line but i've actually never looked at the policy i just think that's how it how it is is that you can't and and most of them won't work the same shift because of daycare or stuff like that sure right they flip-flop yeah they flip-flop around to help with daycare do you have anybody any are there any married couples at your agency? No, we're not allowed. Oh, you're not allowed. No, in fact, some people have actually like found interest in each other, and the other person has actually gone to a different agency so that they could be together. And 
you know, get married, all that kind of stuff. So. Even like dispatch can't be nope. married to you can't, not even anybody in the town as far as I know. Really? Yeah, I, that's not necessarily a bad policy. Right. I, I'm not even a fan of non-law enforcement spouses doing ride-alongs with their spouse. I think it opens up a can of worms that could get really bad. Right. Really we, fast. We call those date nights. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if you think about it, sometimes you just can't have time alone. And we actually, we have a lot of spouses that come and ride along with their um, significant others because of that reason. And all of us just make it as enjoyable as we can for them. Sure. And we call them date nights. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, my wife did that. Yeah. But I, but a whole grave shift. Yeah, but think about how bad that could go in a hurry. With oh, for one sure. call. For sure. Well, we have, um, like, you, you can't go code three, can't go to the priority calls. Um, we've had people drop their moms off on the corner and say, we'll be right back. Literally drop them on the corner and be like, we'll be right back for you. So there, there are... Um, See, and this mom would be going, oh, hell no. <laughs> yeah. You're not dropping me. I'll move over. Let me drive. So I have some question that now i guess i'll be questioning all three of you (laughs) because because right so you guys so let's introduce everyone so this is how you guys met right is through the stress coaching i yes i work with the unions out here the associations gotcha okay so that's how you guys Mm -hmm. came into contact Mm -hmm. so then my question is susan do you notice a difference in the relationship and like the issues absolutely we don't have to highlight them if you guys don't want that i'll leave that up to you dave and julie but is it is it a different animal because they're both cops sure absolutely how is it different well i think in the non-law enforcement married to law enforcement law enforcement does a lot of damage and training in this archaic principle we've talked about of teaching keep personal and professional separate right so the couples that sit on my couch like that are usually lack of communication because the law enforcement officer has been told don't talk to the spouse. The Mm -hmm. spouse is saying you need to talk to me. And if you're not talking to me, you're talking to somebody and then they start checking phones and seeing and suspicion starts and it it snowballs to something that doesn't necessarily even exist. Right. Then you put law enforcement to law enforcement and there's two type A personalities. Mm There's a little competition going on. That sounds fun. There's some dominance of who's done it the longest. We won't mention names, thinking that they know everything, possibly. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's a whole different, it's it's very much a different dynamic. Okay. So, it. for me, I'm an oversharer. Amen, so, amen, so amen. I... Typically, so in, in all the, so my wife and I had taken a bunch of different marriage classes, like through our church and uh, we read stuff and we noticed a pattern where she often plays the role of the typical husband. She only has so many words in a day. You're the girl in so, the relationship. And I am totally the wife. Absolutely. I want to talk about my day, talk about how it went. His I want feelings. her to respond. I want her to listen. Right. So I, and I chase her down to solve things and all the, all this kinds of different stuff. That's how I met Susan because I got issues too. So... <laughs> And he gets yelled at too. Yeah, I don't know if as much as you because she she, <laughs> she, she made a point of that. It's a different. It's a different level. Oh, okay. You uh, haven't gotten to his level. There's your goal. Oh, I'm impressed. I like him already. Yes, you All want, right. you want to achieve that level. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> Something to do next time. Um, so, is it is it an issue of like because I, I couldn't see the issue of oversharing between you two because it's not you guys do the same thing, so. What what's the from your perspective? What's the hard part about your personalities clashing? What what is the difficult thing for you guys to overcome? Because every couple has that. When we're talking about work, 
or, or anything, or just or your anything. your relationship, like dealing with stressors and stuff like. Because that's really what it comes to when you break it down. Is like we get stressed out, we overreact about stuff or underreact, and then we become a problem for our spouse and our family. So how do you get? What comes to a head with you guys? What's the issue? Well, I think a lot of it for me is that we're both. I mean, we're both fixers. That's what we do. Problem we go, solvers. Yeah, yep. we go solve problems at, all day long, every day, and then we come home, and we both want to solve the problem in a different way. So uh, we've had to kind of, we're trying to mesh the... We're learning. <laughs> yes, to uh, work together on how we're going to solve a problem. It's yeah. not just one person's job. Like if right. she comes to me with something, I don't get to say, well, you got to do this, 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 and this, when she's just venting. I right. need to listen more and let her figure out her own solution to the problem. Right. That makes sense. I'm so glad this is on tape. No, it's, <laughs> no, it really does make sense. But I, I would have never thought of that as because in our relationship, I am definitely the fixer, right? And my wife is not that way. She'll just sit in her own box and solve it herself, kind of like you're saying that right. situation might be. But I, I never even thought of a conflict where we both want to fix it so bad, like compulsively, right. but we want to fix it different ways. Mm-hmm. Right. That's interesting. I ne- I haven't had that because obviously. And, and in our relationship, I would say that I'm. I'm more vocal. I'm more open, and I, I share everything. Sure. And in the past, I've been critical of some of the stuff that she's come with me, and, and not out of intent, but like, well, you should try to do this or do that, or I wouldn't not, let that happen to me. I'm not don't, looking at him for a problem solver. I don't need him to tell me right. how to fix it or what to do. Right. I need him to listen. And realize that I'm talking to him and I'm opening up to him, but I don't need him because then I feel like he's attacking me. He's attacking my um, the way I handled it. He's attacking uh, the way that I chose to um, deal with it. Right. And so I don't. It's not constructive criticism when he's coming at me like that. It so it shuts me down. Yeah, like I I, I'm not here. Um, to get any education from you you're my husband i'm supposed to be able to talk to you and i don't need not... you to rescue me yeah right. yeah and i think that honestly is a lot of the issues is i don't come to him with problems i fix it and i think a husband needs that a little bit more and a and lot like of times really yeah and and it's really hard when you get two type a personalities and here i come bouncing off and i'm like a b c and d and he's like she doesn't need me at all and so she, he starts feeling that for sure almost inadequate and i don't do right. it on purpose it's just I'm a freaking type A. I'm 45 years old. I'm a type A personality. I, I don't, you know. If she's I, if little, I, but she's mighty. If I want right. it done, I'm going to do it. And sometimes I forget that I have to sit back and just like let him do it for me. Right. Type thing. And it's not that easy to do because I'm like now. And he's like, oh, I'll get to it in like a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll get done in this lifetime. Because <laughs> you guys both have your own priorities and way of mm-hmm. doing things. Mm-hmm. And they don't necessarily mesh up. So it's actually a lot more like me and my wife than I thought. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. But I wonder if you had, Dave, if you had the same amount of time on that Julie had, if you were both at that same level, you're not with so many more years, I wonder how different the dynamic would be if you would be more receptive as it's somebody just bouncing ideas off of you versus it comes across as criticism of what you've done because he does have more time on. Maybe we do have an issue with that because I'm still, I love my job. I love patrol. I love working nights. I love, you know, getting into stuff. And he's at that 
is that typical winding mark down. Winding, winding down. down. I'm at that 18, 20 year mark. I don't, you know, I'm just coming to work. I'm not really looking for that. So I am where he was maybe 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And although he's admitted that that's caused issues in his past relationship because he is kind of where his ex-wife was at that time and here I am coming all excited about this and this and this and I'm working and I'm doing this and and he's like the old freaking watchdog like why you know why are you why are you putting yourself into that situation you know you should be a little bit more safe and why do you need to do that and 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 I'm like don't beat me down for you know enjoying my job and don't make me feel bad for it and at the same time he's like I work I come home, I work, and I come home, and well, I'm like, like... I noticed this pattern, and so I'm way more on your end, yes, Julie, yes. right? But having been removed non-voluntarily <laughs> from the law enforcement arena... Uh, it, come on, wear it like a badge of honor. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. I am wearing a Salt River shirt right now, just for all of you listening. Uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to throw darts and paintball at it later. <laughs> I know. So... So I'm way more on that end, right? Like super gung-ho. When As soon as I go to work, I am hunting. Like I want I want a fight or I want a dude with a bunch of drugs and a gun or something, right? It's like I need action because it's like that's why I put the badge on. Yeah. And that, so now being removed five months now from being in uniform, doing anything in a patrol unit, anything, right? I, The hardest part from being removed was I lost that purpose. Like I didn't have that, right? So that was devastating. And then I had to find balance. And I noticed right now, now obviously I haven't been back in a uniform and had it put in front of me. I'd probably jump all over it again. But I find my thinking is far more like Dave's now where it's, it's I almost feel like, because I, I, I'll be honesty moment, right? I used to detest that way of thinking. And I'm pointing at Dave for everybody who's listening, right? I was like, they're just old and lazy and they're just <laughs> sick of working, right? And I, honest to God, I don't feel that way anymore. I really feel like, and I I think we feel and think things way before we can ever explain them with words, right? And I'm sure you know somewhere deep down inside why you are the way you are, Dave, and why you've why it's kind of transitioned over time. Right. And I think it has something to do with just like you just want more a little more balance. It's like I get it. I was hunting for years. I just and it was fun and I mastered my craft, but I'm going to back off a little bit and I'm going to be a little smarter about my time and what I'm interested in and what I'm going to throw myself into as far as danger risk whatever you, you just you balance it out a little differently later and i can just i respect that point of view more now being separated from it um so but you're i'm telling me you're looking back on your four years yeah, and my you're long, thinking, four and years. long four years and you're thinking probably should have kept my mouth shut on on a well, lot of that and it's not only it's not only that it's like i did so many ridiculously dangerous things just for the thrill of the hunt like the some of the choices I made, like and obviously I'm like tactically sound. I'm well trained, and they were good. Well, I'm not going to say they were good decisions, but they, <laughs> they were, just, they, they, were decisions. Decisions. <laughs> they, they were decisions, and it went okay, right? That's not came out good. Well, we, not get, a, we get lucky all the time, yes. right? Yeah. And it's yeah, that's that's not an indicator of doing something the right way. It's just a, right. it just you know didn't go wrong that time. But looking back, it's like, and I knew I I wasn't I wasn't an ignorant about it. But it was like worth it. I was like, I don't know why. I don't know if it's the rush or if it's like, this is why I'm here. It's why God put me on earth so I could get bad guys. Sure. It's, you know, that's kind of how it felt. So, but it, having been separated and having to balance out what's important, it's like, okay, I can't make law enforcement important right now because I don't have a choice. And 
and my family, I realize that I've been a little more distant than maybe I should have been. So maybe I just need to reorganize my priorities. And that, that process, and I'm not saying that's what you do, Julie, that you don't care about the rest of your life. I'm just saying that I've shifted more in the middle now, like I said, yeah. if I put a uniform on next week, I'm sure I'm yeah, right you might back get in. right back into yeah, it. I'm sure oh, I catch yeah, the we'll bug have to again. Give him something to settle him down or something. I'm I sure. I think but... it's called Adderall. <laughs> yeah, well, I, don't, I don't know that Adderall is going to be your drug of choice, but we, we will find something. Um, but I have a feeling you'll be in here a whole lot more. Yeah, but I think there's a balance there. I think you start to seek that towards the end, and whether or not you'd explain it that way, I think I think it's just more like I I've had enough of chasing it, and I just. I'm there when I need to be there, right? and I'm on when mm-hmm. I need to be on, but I'm not forcing it anymore. And that's usually at about the five-year mark. And that's why the FBI did a study years ago, and I wish they would do another one, that talked about a five-year veteran. It always made me laugh when they called him a veteran at five years. <laughs> but five I am years, seasoned, Susan. I am seasoned, damn it. <laughs> yeah, that a five-year veteran was worth about a quarter of a million dollars to a department. And I said, really and truly, if you built liability into that, it's going to probably be a whole lot more than that because of what you're talking about. Right. You learn in those first five years because you get out and you do stupid stuff. Oh, yeah. Hot mess. And Yeah. And it comes out okay, but you look back on it going, hmm, that probably wasn't one of my brighter moments. But the five-year cop has learned some valuable lessons that the new rookie coming out of the academy still has to learn, and it could go bad. Especially in today's environment. It's amazing how speed, surprise, and violence of action is a band-aid for really bad everything else. Sure. And how you just overwhelm the bad guys a lot of times because they're not ready for you. Sure. But we get, just like you said, Dave, we get so lucky so often. And and the longer you do this, honestly, um, you start thinking about more tactics, going home safely, making sure all the younger guys go home safely. Right. I mean, and I'm I'm on the SWAT team. I am on another specialty, so I don't respond. I respond to everything, and but I respond to a lot of the hot traffic, the, right. the emergency traffic. So I'm not out there hunting traffic stops. Yeah. Um, we had an interdiction team uh, many moons ago. We don't do interdiction anymore for the most really? part. Yeah, we just it's yeah. kind of dwindled away. Um, Every agency well, in that area is it dwindled with numbers away? being like DP, yeah, everybody's short. Yeah. So oh. DPS isn't hunting like, and that's right. where I got a lot of. Um, I did a lot of assistance to DPS, um, but I we don't have that anymore because sure. they, they're not hunting like that. Nobody here does interdictions like I did in my past agency. Yeah. See, and I wouldn't have thought where you were that interdiction would necessarily have been as big oh, of yeah. a yeah, no. thing as it would here with major interstates. And well, we had the well, two major highways going through. 260 okay. or yeah, she's yeah trying 60 to, and 260, they're trying so. to get around the I-40 or okay. shorten that trip on the I-40. Right. So that's where that came from. I just don't think I'd want to get in a chase on those roads coming out of where you used to be in the curves that have no guardrails. Ah, <laughs> right. You just went, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dukes of Hazard taught us so much when we were younger. I mean, we'll say it always ends in a fun way. Yeah. But yeah. to, to but, Dave's point, I, I feel like that makes a lot of sense. You're, it's almost like your role transitions because just thinking on my super long career and all the training that I received, right? Just in the four years that I was there, all the trainings that I got, general instructor and then into defensive tactics, and the thing, it starts to change your perspective and your role changes, right? Like even just in that short amount of time for me, I became much more of an instructor type person on my squads. Like the sergeants would have me teach things and pull people aside and put together little PowerPoints and whatever. And then when I would go to scenes, it was like, hey, you know, watch out for this, check that. And I was helping the newer guys 
What kept you out of trouble? Well, it's, well, and and funny enough is even on four years because of the turnover and everything else, I was the senior guy mm-hmm. on my squads, and your role just kind of changes naturally. It's not even like a choice, really. It, right. When you say it that way, that makes a lot of sense. Well, and the thing about Dave, which I've always tried to get him to understand, is he might not remember what it's like to be on patrol, but when it comes, like when he calls and tells me I'm in a shooting, I know he's okay. The third one caught me off guard because his voice was different. Right. But um, and, and I for knew... the audience, it was three in 12 months. And Yeah, three in 12 months. Two fatal... Too fatal and one that... Um, Somebody should have been Yeah. Dead. So with Dave, with his training and his experience and watching him on his body camera throughout these shootings, he is that guy that you want. Not because he can... not You know, his training comes in. He's great at directing other people on where to go, safe places, officer safety he excels at. Um, and just how calm he is on his recordings, that's what you need. You need that type of person on these calls because then you don't have everybody else freaking out. Right. Um, and, and knowing that just with his training and Susan's help and everything else, he's able to mentally get through that. Second one, same thing. It was like he called. I could tell in his voice he was okay. Um, and you just go and you help. But again, watching the video he was there he directed people he he was that calm voice and he's got a loud voice you can hear it over everything third one a little bit more concerning okay i'm going to be there as soon as possible to figure out why this is different Mm -hmm. and then after everything else he knows that he can bounce off of me and i'm like okay that's why it was different now i understand and then now if there's god forbid a fourth one um, hopefully that yeah, we're every day. <laughs> don't say it Jeez, yeah. <laughs> and now you know there's certain times where um where anytime he calls me i know that he is there for a reason he he solved a problem everyone's going home safely and that's his role now but so i am very it, Julie. take the cop out of it and just be the wife and the mother of his child and how does that impact you because again we're talking about three times in 12 months now mm-hmm that you almost had to tell your daughter, daddy's not coming home. It yeah. could have been that situation. Yeah. Do you ever separate the Never. two? <laughs> well, I know I, um, I know you're too mean for it to happen, yeah. but um, do you ever separate? Because I think it's easy for the, the cop to look at it from a cop, point. cop yeah. perspective, but do you ever put yourself truly in that wife and mother role of what he did in those 12 months I don't know if I've ever put myself in that place because our kids are pretty knowledgeable about how we talk and and you know we sometimes you come to our house and that's all you hear Mm -hmm. um along with our smallest one I don't think she understands really the dangers yet of what we do. And I'm not sure. I know that in my mind I've played that. And this last one kind of made me um, kind of figure out that something else was different. And then when I saw what was going on, I was like, wow, he was that close. Mm -hmm. Um, And with the small, you know, with our youngest, it's, it's just like, make sure you give daddy kisses. Make sure you tell him you love him. Make sure you tell him to be safe. Watch your six. Yeah. Yeah. She'll (laughs) say, watch your six. She doesn't know. have your head on a swivel. That's the next thing yeah. when she hits seven. So as far as that, I don't know if the kids would ever see me break down that role. I would take the mother role if I, you know, definitely at that point. But up until that point, it's going to be, I have to be strong. I have to keep going. 
But how about even just internally? Internally, like, have I thought about it? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Because I know that he's not going to ignore the, the big calls. Oh, no. He's going to be right there on point, whether it's with his partner or just with um, his, his expertise. Mm-hmm. So on one hand, I've, like, built myself up to realizing that something may go south mm-hmm. because he is not going to let those younger officers get hurt. Um, and that's the role he's, I'm going to have to accept mm-hmm. if it comes to that. Sure. So I think I built myself up to that um knowing that he's just not going to say no because of those kids i I really think that that's one of the beautiful things about educate and i mean you you get all the education that a spouse of a cop could get because you are one yeah um so you're learning the same things he's going you guys might even go to similar trainings you know so you guys have really similar perspectives on the field and i was lucky my wife is really into what i do she loves policing she loves the trainings she loves all that stuff and she trusts it so Mm -hmm. and i think the the knowledge changes your perspective right i think it would be hard for you to turn off the cop part and to just think about it like a mom who's not a cop yeah i don't know that's possible maybe it is you'd know more than i would susan i I don't know that it's possible but i think it's something that has to be thought about and looked at because otherwise you're only dealing with half right we don't want to overlook things perspective yeah right but that perspective, it's cool how it changes how you interpret a situation, right? Like, you know what the dangers are. It's not it's not as terrifying because it's not as much of an unknown. Yeah. And that's awesome. That's, that's why I'm a big supporter of talking about what we do with our spouses or girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever. It's just educating them, at least on a basic level, because then they can think about it that way. Like, oh, okay, I get it. He's not just running into danger because he's a moron who's trying to prove how brave he is. Their days. Their days we would have to. That's part of all. I think that's a little bit of all of us who do this, right? Remember my saying, what is it about men? Right, right. (laughs) But we, I I think all of us kind of have this like, it. I don't know what you want to call it, but it's like, to die a glorious death i mean it's it's not a hor- it's not the worst thing that could happen us defending what we believe in and standing up for what we do and if i get shot down there, there are worse ways for me to go going to prison right yeah. there are really worse ways for me to go it, and that's something i think we all kind of come to terms with most of us in yeah. the job but it's it's cool to have a shared education on what it means and why he does what he does and why you do what you do mm-hmm. and to know that like if you run into a dangerous situation you know however he might react emotionally at the time you know in he understands why you did what you did generally yeah you know and why we put ourselves in stupid dangerous yeah. situations all the time yeah. um for things like you know a civil crime but did sometimes he use, <laughs> did he use sick humor at all in any of those three situations not the phone calls the phone calls were direct and to the point um getting after, there, you got after we got no and um maybe a couple days after um, after it all kind of stopped, but in, I mean, we have sick humor anyway, but as far as, um, these ones, do you think that would have made you mad? Had he been using sick humor pretty quickly after it? I don't think it would have made me mad. Um, I think it would, I would have taken it like that's his, something happened. He's stressed like more, more to the point. Sure. Um, the reason I'm asking is, and I want to have this retired Phoenix officer on the, um, on the podcast in the next few weeks, but, uh, Mark was in a shooting, he got shot 
and his wife used to be a police officer, but now she's a stay-at-home mom with their three young children. And when he got into his situation, when she picked him up from the hospital, uh, he tells the story of driving home, and, and he looks at her, and he says, well, I guess I'm not, he's a big country-western fan, and he said, well, I guess I'm not, I think it was Wyatt Earp anymore. And she looked at him, and she was driving, and she looked at him, and she goes, what do you mean? He goes, well, he never got shot. And he, she's a redhead, and she lost it. <laughs> and yeah. she said, I almost had to tell the children Daddy wasn't coming home. So she was in that place yeah. as a mother. And not a cop. And But yet she had been a cop. And so even though she understood the sick humor. Right. It, it was still upsetting yes, to her. Yes, it really yeah, it set her off. And I just wondered if if that would ever be the case with you. And it very well could be her distance from her job because she'd been out of law enforcement for a few years. But Maybe because we do everything with sick humor. So it wouldn't, I don't think it would have surprised me in any situation to have that um like I said I just listened to the tone of his voice and that told me what I needed to prepare myself for Mm -hmm. so the sick humor I don't think would have now you know now the sick humor is there every time we talk about it with some sarcasm Um, with some sarcasm yes I think with normal time with um our situation is how are the kids going to feel with the other one going to work knowing they lost one Right. That's that's the one that weighs kind of heavy on me. Sure. Is that if something happens that's to one reality. of us, that's reality. Sure. Are they going to freak out every time mommy or daddy walks out the door? Sure. Sure. And that's well, and I, and uh, this is one of the studies that we found a long time ago was talking about that sick humor, and I think this is something we have to educate law enforcement and families on, and that is sick humor actually has been proven to be healthy in that when you can use that sick humor about things that the general public would you know, throw up or freak out over or whatever, that the body actually sends a message to the brain, this has no power over me. Yeah, it's like biting a pencil when you're sad. And it says, you know, this isn't going to impact me at the same level. And and I, and that's a very healthy tool, but I think sometimes it's hard to be in dual roles too. Yeah. Yeah, and I've I've seen a couple different, so that's the most common one that I've seen, right, is the, is the sick humor. And the way it almost makes sense to me, and I don't know, maybe it's just me rationalizing but it's almost like we we distance ourselves i don't really i'm just going to use it to describe it but it might be a little inaccurate i feel like when we joke about um death or people that do terrible terrible things we almost dehumanize the situation so that we don't relate to it the same way sure right and i think that makes it easier for us to cope with it and that's fine we we all need mechanisms we need to keep working the job needs to get done and then i also notice in more deadly situations like the ones you've been in right is that they almost treat it with like a reverence right like some people are like oh yeah we joke about the guy that got shot and died or whatever and other people are like hey we just don't talk about it right that took a man's life that's a that's a thing that happened i'm not sad about it but it's it's just not a thing that i joke around about i've seen both and that's how and i think that that's just another side of a coping mechanism of like hey i respect that man's life even if we were trying to kill each other and he lost and i won right it's just that's the way that the cards fell i i'm not gonna disrespect it right and that's one way to deal with it another way to deal with it is to joke about how he was dressed and how he acted stupid and how he held the gun funny like different people deal with it different ways and i think that being what bothers me is when people on the outside of that get offended 
mm-hmm. at the way it is. Like you're you're neither the guy that got shot or the guy that had to shoot him. Yeah. So it, until you're in the shoes, you know, maybe just kind of let people deal with it. Yeah, yeah. I've struggled with with people joking about it because there is a sense of okay, this this isn't something that you want to do. Yeah, you right. you know you want to know you can, That's but you do not want to do it. Right. So when you do it, and then you got people joking about it, you're like, too soon. Mm-hmm. It's way yeah. too soon. We're not there yet. Okay. Because right. um, it is. It's not. It's it's stressful. The FBI the actually stressful. did a a series. Um, if you haven't seen it, and I probably haven't given it to you, but it's called "Don't Call Me Killer," and it is was done over in San Diego, and they interviewed a lot. Apparently, San Diego County at one time. And San Diego had a lot of officer-involved shootings. And even even this officer from Phoenix, Mark, that I want to have in here, he remembers going back to work, and one of the first things somebody walked up to him and said was, hey, killer. And, you know, they're trying to be, they don't know what to say, and so they're right. kind of trying to lighten up me. But that's the worst thing you well, can yeah, say to somebody. They're used to that humor being the icebreaker for, right. for everything, you know, child crimes and other awful, yeah. terrible things that we see. But it's different when you take... I don't remember. I can't remember what book it is right now, but oh, it's Grossman when he talks about how uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman talks about how people just don't want generally don't want to kill other people regardless of circumstance. Right. Right. Like they would take the bayonets off their guns and they would like bayonets like never got used because nobody wanted to spear someone to death. Yeah. Yeah. Like we just generally don't want to kill each other because there's just kind of an understanding that you're sort of worth something (laughs) to somebody. Right. right? And there's there's potential there. And it's like, we don't want to snuff that out if we can avoid it. That's what, like, when we talk about fight and flight, there's other ones. There's posture and submit. We do that way more often than we fight or run. Yeah. Is I make you know that I can kill you, and then you go, okay, I submit. And then nothing happens. No one gets hurt, right? We right. do that all the time. That's far more effective because no one dies. <laughs> yeah. But we, we just, we really don't want to kill each other, right? And, of course, there's exceptions to that. But th- those are the kind well, of people that we deal with sometimes. Dave's situations and what he's talked to me about we had a recent officer involved shooting and that's the first thing i told everybody in briefing when you see him don't joke when you see him don't comment about anything tell him i'm glad you're okay and that's it because yeah i said you don't know what his moral issues are with taking a life can we do it maybe can you know are we supposed to feel good about it only if it solved a problem maybe but you don't know how he's feeling so don't say anything rude and i didn't know that two of my partners had already said something shitty to him and they're like oh well i didn't think about it that way well you need to we because you know listening to dave and talk about certain things that he's um, dealt with afterwards it opens your eyes to like yeah and then just being that voice to everybody else to say you know don't just leave it alone. Just tell them I'm glad you're okay. That's all they need to know. Yeah. Is that sometimes we over-focus on that, to be honest, because a lot of times it isn't the actual shooting. It's something else that happened prior to it that you feel bad you didn't prevent that from happening. And, and I think all too often mental health just looks at the shooting because the reality is, did either or any of you ever come out of an academy thinking there was never a possibility you'd have to shoot somebody? I hope no. not. No. No. And the react like you and I've talked, Dave, about nobody really knows if they can do it till they do it. And then once they do it, I think that's why the studies show that you're more prone to be in another shooting because you have the level of confidence of knowing you can do it. 
and the others that are out there that you're working with probably have not had to do it. And the reality is, is they won't know either until they have to do it. But when you focus solely on that one aspect and not what else happened prior to or after, you know, if, if an officer had been killed in one of your shootings before you got to this guy, it wouldn't have been the act of shooting and killing this guy. It would have been, why couldn't I have prevented? And that's going to be what we deal with on the next one if he's not there. If yes. he was either supposed to be at work or if he was too far from it and he couldn't stop it. Yes. Or if he thought that there was anything to keep him. Because right now he's he's got that impression in his head that I am the problem solver and I will make sure everybody goes home. Mm-hmm. That, I think, is going to cause more of maybe an issue with him over a forced shooting. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think so, just because I know him. Well, the scary part is for me is, like, since the last one, and I think I've told you this before, I now find myself putting myself at point. Yes. I'm asking for the shield. Give me the shield. I'll be the first one through the door. And I'm like, is that healthy? Because <laughs> it doesn't sound healthy. It doesn't but sound good. It sounds healthy, dangerous. You know what I mean? But, but that's But it's common. Yeah. It's very common, which, again, is why it, when somebody's in one, they tend to be in multiples. So because now, of that confidence. Flip that around. His wife works for another agency who doesn't have the best training um, department, not department, just not best training opportunities like his agency does. Right. So when I come in and I tell him something and he starts drilling me about A, B, and C, I'm like, I don't need you to talk trash about my agency. I need <laughs> you to listen. But his, in his mind, he's like, I need you to be as trained as you can because you have to come home. I'm not there to protect you. Right. And right. a lot of the times, are my beat partners going to protect me? You sure. know, he doesn't know. And he doesn't know how much trust I have in my beat partners. And he doesn't know that I'm like, she needs to go back there because I don't trust her. She's going to be worthless. Or I, I say she, not that that's bad. I should have generalized. Um, I'm she. not talking about, yeah, he bad. or she. Sure. Uh, I just happen to work with a lot of females, uh, yes. oddly enough. Um, so it's, it's not, sorry, I shouldn't say that. But anyway, so if I don't trust this person to do something, I know to put them somewhere. And I know that I'm going to be good on my rifle. And I know that so-and-so is going to be good there. I can't hold a shield. I'm, I'm the shortest one on my freaking squad. It's bigger than me. So why are you going to give me the shield? You know, right. stuff like that. He doesn't know that I'm thinking about shit like this. He just knows that this is what he would have done, A, B, and C, and how come How come I'm there? So that actually causes a huge issue at home because I want to tell him about it, but then I feel like I'm getting attacked for my lack of training or, you know, something that just um, he doesn't understand. I and think you put it best the last time you and I talked. I don't remember if it was on the phone or in person, but you said it's like you can call your kid a brat. Mm-hmm. But nobody else can. Absolutely. And I've done that to her with her agency. It's like, they need to give you guys more money. No, that's not realistic. So my solution to that problem, because I'm a problem solver, (laughs) is when I can, Mm -hmm. I get her to the range. Mm -hmm. As a firearms instructor, I help her. Um, So that you say she is capable. Capable. Yeah, I, and, and I'm confident that she's yes. going to win any encounter that she yes. comes across. Well, and I think this is another dynamic, too. In cop to cop, you still have a male-female factor here. Mm-hmm. And I think as much as chivalry is dead in a lot of places, I don't know that it is dead necessarily in the law enforcement world because, yeah. again, y'all go into this because you need to be needed and your problem solvers and your caregivers and so as the male in the relationship, you tend to want 
to protect the female, even though right. I have no doubt she can take you. You might be six what? How tall are you? Six two. Six two, and you're how tall? Five one. Yeah, and I my money's on Julie, but it's still that male. I'm I'm supposed to be the one to handle this. Yeah, and I think some of that challenge is probably it's not getting rid of that. It's adapting it to how can I protect her in a way that makes sense. Because you just standing in front of her and absorbing bullets isn't what either of you want, right? So it's like, and, and you can't always be there to do that. Right. Uh, because it's not like she's a stay-at-home mom, so every time you guys are together, you can protect her. It, she's out there conquering the world like you are, so it turns into something different, right? It's not opening doors and you know right. keeping her safe and warm. It's just, hey, here's what I have that keeps me safe. But he has to change that, and that's where the training, right. because he has experience and the training right. and stuff, then he... And passive, and it's like I tell families that worry about their daughters, law enforcement officers worried about their daughters. And I right. go, You can't hover over and protect them, so what do you do? You put them in jujitsu, you put them in Krav Maga, right? You put at the right ages, you do the firearms instruction, you do the things because you can't be with them 24 7, so you have to make sure they have the skills and the ability to do it. And so, where Dave sees a deficit in Julie's training then he needs to step up and make sure she gets that. Even if it's on your off time or whatever. Right. Because again, that's a that's that is a form of chivalry. And it's not, well, I gotta be there and watch and make sure and step up and handle whatever. Well I think I'm gonna speculate on your thoughts over here. Dave. Um <laughs> that could be scary. Well yeah. Well no I I think it's it's kind of like I mean from an outsider perspective, right? I have no idea what either of you are capable of. All I do know, like the only, the, the facts that I've gathered from this conversation is you've been in shootings, fatal shoot, dangerous situations and have prevailed one way or another, luck or skill. I don't know, I wasn't there, <laughs> but the repeated situation would indicate more skill than luck. Mm -hmm. um, maybe a little bit of both, but more skill than luck, right? And then, so in, my mind the skills that you have you've tested them right like it's oh, i've I, I was trained to do these things i did the things i was trained to do it was good training it worked, it worked. i'm alive right? right so it's like there would i could immediately see the emotional need in me to be like i need to share this with people that i care about my squad mates whatever never mind my wife who's also a cop like right. hey you need to know the things i know because i'm not dead yeah. and i don't want you to be dead <laughs> Right. And there's there'd be like an overwhelming need for me to be like, hey, you need to know these things because this is what saved my life or whatever. Right. So I could see that drive, too, of like, hey, you know, it usually comes out when I'm trying to tell him something and he's picking apart and <laughs> yeah. critiquing it. I'm like, don't Monday morning quarterback me. Yeah. I'm fine. I did OK. I could have done this different. But I take it as that attack. Right. You're, and you're telling him about remember. your day. Yeah. And he turns it into a debrief. Yeah. <laughs> Just yes. like that. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't need this from you. I'm I'm talking to you because I can actually open up my feelings right. to you without being judged by everybody else I work with. So just shut up and let me talk to you. Yeah. And he's like, where's this? And what did you do here? And how come you did this? And I'm yeah. like. At, at one point, I just have to walk away or yeah. I'm going to all that stress that I just had is normally directed at him because he has articulated so much that I just did it. Like what I'm gathering is I did a shitty job. I made the wrong choice and right. he wasn't even there. And he would have right. done it differently. And he would have done it differently. And the, and the, and the thing part. that pisses me off is he has such great 
training and such a good skill set that I want to pull that from him. But right. at the same time, I'm like, fuck not, off. Yeah, I'm not, not in those circumstances. Yeah. Because, yeah. 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 He's your... got to learn to pick his time. Yeah. And duct tape is going to be very effective. So I'll make sure I bring you <laughs> yeah, duct tape some next duct tape time. Because yeah, I have and so much respect for how he's handled himself in right. these situations that, yes, I want him... I, I'm I'm seeking that from him, but not at that not moment. At that not yes, at that is. moment. Right. How much of the, and I get the defensiveness, but how much of that is being a female in law enforcement anyway? Yeah. That when anybody, because I think females in general feel like they have to, if, if a male has to do it this level, a female has, has to, do to do it at that a level. higher level in and order not to be on, seen yeah, at and the not same on her level. back. She's got she's yes. busting her ass to be there and not suing her way to the top or sleeping yeah. her way to the top. Absolutely. And, and you're working hard and you're getting there and you yes. just had something done and not only are you getting the how come you didn't shoot her at work, you're getting it at home and you're mm-hmm. like fuck off, people. I I was very <laughs> yeah. proud of the way I handled that. <laughs> right. And you guys are like making me feel like I did something wrong and I didn't. So when I come home and he. See, and that's something that I didn't know. What is it? That she came, she had that at work. And then when I asked that question, and my question was innocent, why didn't you shoot her? Right. And she's like, throws her hands up. She's all upset. And I'm like, that was not what I was trying to get out of that. I was... Because take that situation, and had you been a male... I don't know that anybody would have questioned you. Well, let's yeah. let's dissect that a little bit, right? Do you so, even know what we're talking about? No. Should we give like a brief? Well, the, the actual yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was, was an actual situation. situation. Oh yeah. Um, responding to a single vehicle accident where a vehicle went in the guardrail and unconscious is what we get. Okay. So you're tra- you're going in route as an accident, and then you get there and you're like, okay, she's fine, she's not breathing, but she's drunker and shit. So then you have to go into a, a DUI investigation, right? And then you ask for her ID, and she points a fucking gun at you. Oh. It was um, okay. because she's that intoxicated. Why didn't you shoot her? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Yeah, Julie, so, don't do it. Yeah, yeah don't, don't do ask. it. So doors open. I'm standing at the B pillar. I look over, and the barrel of the gun is staring at me so her head went into the windshield and she was on the pavement quicker than shit that's the right. only it was quick instinct done did what you did um yes. got her down got her in handcuffs i was way up here there was an f-bomb coming out of my mouth every other word <laughs> it was and then finally i remember thinking you need to calm down you've lost control you need to calm down i took a deep breath i read her rights i put her in my car right. i was able to calm down so first thing of course i do is i contact sergeant get there and I'm talking to him and the first thing is like wow I'm glad she's not dead right I hear him later on in the hallway talking to somebody you know better be glad she's not dead and I even had told her you don't need to do that I could have legitimately shot you over that right I go home I'm I'm debriefing it with Dave first thing out of his fucking mouth and I was like yeah Jesus people it was like so, and, and my question was innocent at the time. Right. It well, was literally, well, why didn't you shoot her if she pointed the gun at you? Because that's your first solution yeah. to the problem. Yeah. Well, like, I would have sense. been what? justified, but if you think B-pillar, you're checking to make sure she's alive, she's breathing, and everything else, so then you resort from that high level of EMS uh, response to right. investigation, and nothing that she's seen, nothing that she appears, she looks like a normal, typical female that's just had too much to drink, so you're not expecting this. And you're right there. I would not have been able 
to pull my gun out yeah, you and shoot back. Yeah, and right. yeah, yeah, she had it right then and there. So right. it was just quickly, that's all I could do. It was an instinct to do. Mm-hmm. And I was like very proud of myself that I didn't back up, that I didn't shut the door. Because then what would I have done? From giving her commands, I was standing out in the middle of a road. With you a gun know? pointed at me. A gun pointed at <laughs> yeah, me. No. So, so it was just one of those things. And so I was like, then we de-escalated. Then I did the DUI. And then I sent her home and gave the you know the gun to her dad and, and be like, please teach her freaking not to do that. And in her mind, at the end of it, she said, I just know I had to make it safe for you. So in her mind, she was just trying to tell me she had a freaking firearm in the car but she was so drunk that she just didn't realize what her actions actually could have done so then poor dave first thing out of his mouth and i'm like well and but (laughs) when 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 she actually calmed down which was i don't know how long later (laughs) she actually articulated why she did what she did right that's an awesome response to that for sure i don't know that i would have done that right her thought process at that time was get the gun get her between me and the gun yes so if she does pull the trigger she's going to shoot herself you know slammed her head off the dashboard whatever she did and drug her out of the car so the immediate response is what we need to do as law enforcement so i thought it was awesome it just i was just it was more of a curiosity you could have shot her you know that right more of and i know she knows that but it was just the first thing that entered my head yeah but i think you've got to look at today's environment too there are people hesitating right and i think maybe that was one one of the things you were making sure because you know when i hear officers as recent as in the last few months say things like i didn't shoot because he didn't shoot at me first and you start going Ooh, yeah, who trained ooh, you now? Ooh, ooh. What academy are you coming out of? Yeah, because that's wanna, not a good plan. And I don't want to completely ignore the fact that there there's a legitimate. And look, I'm not one of these like lefty women don't have rights things. But and if you are, whatever. <laughs> but I, I do think that there is definitely a different perception. And I'll talk about my own perception. I won't, I won't talk about anybody else's words, right? I had a, a female officer join us. Uh, I was probably two years on, right? And my first perception of her judge me if you want i don't care it's it's true was she's not dangerous enough she does not look like she can handle it if somebody were to jump on her try to kick her ass she's dead that's that was my first impression right and that is a snap judgment i have no idea what she's capable of when i first met her the more i worked with her the more i realized yeah okay she's a little soft but she's trainable she's not a moron and so it's like there's a there is definitely an impression and it and it's partly physiological right we are different physiologically sure i don't care what any crazy scientist nowadays says (laughs) Uh, men and women are different um and but it doesn't mean that you can't learn to be dangerous especially in your own way especially with the right tools well that's the key like and it's it's not like you used a tool either you manhandled her yeah right and funny choice of words there but it's there's i think there's a constant from both sides right i think Female police officers want to prove that they are capable and dangerous, right? It's a warrior mindset. I don't care what anybody says. It, it really, it, we carry that a little bit to different degrees, right? Some of us are like all warrior and we need to kill all the problems. <laughs> and other people are a little more businesslike and they just bring out the warrior when it's necessary. But there's this mindset that we need to be capable and dangerous and formidable, right? And I think men can kind of, carry that or fake it easier than a woman can you you when you come in i think you guys feel like you have more to prove and i think honestly we expect more to be proven because it's like hey we don't know how dangerous you are you look pretty small i could probably kick your ass 
And that may or may not be true. Mm -hmm. I've seen very small women beat down some big cops. Yep. <laughs> a little bit of anger and a little bit of meth go well, a long way. Well, I think you way. underestimate <laughs> um, them sometimes, too. Oh, for sure. That's, and I think that's why In cops get assaulted by too. drunk females more often than yeah, drunk males. Some of my best fights have been with drunk females. For sure. For sure. We're, Me too. We're insane. <laughs> with alcohol. Yeah. And, and so it, I think that's definitely a factor that we have to deal with. Sure. And, and whether or not that's right, I, I don't know. I don't know. Because, I mean, maybe some of them aren't physically capable. Maybe we should ask. But I don't think it should be something we dance around. Well, it's no. just like when the Citadel um, started allowing females in. And that was kind of near and dear to me because my stepfather was on the Board of Governors for the Citadel. So he had one of the Save the Males um, bumper stickers on his car as a <laughs> retired colonel. <laughs> absolutely cracked me up. And, um, and the first female that went in there it was so embarrassing because she was no more prepared to go in and she made a fool out of women is what she did because right. she went in and basically got her ass handed to her the next one that goes in kicked everybody's ass wound right. up being like class president she's now a um, representative in the state of south carolina Jeez. but yeah but she went in prepared and that's what I wish the first one would have been because I think that starts to set a standard. But when somebody goes in and they're not even, I've seen females go into these police academies and it's like, okay, I'm here now, get me in shape. Right. No, 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 no. Yeah. I, I think a healthy way, I'm kind of ad-libbing here. It's not like I've thought about this for a long time, just since this conversation. Oh Lord, but, this could get scary. <laughs> but talking helps me think. But it's, it's kind of a, it's a cool issue to talk about because I think there are some, like we talked about, physiological reasons, right? We're just a little physically different. But I think as long as there's an open dialogue, like if you come to be a cop, I'm just going to be like, hey, are you fit? Have you trained fighting? Like these are things that are going to be important for you because you, you're you going to need to know a little more. You can't just throw your weight around, yeah. right? That's an honest conversation. That's not saying women suck. They shouldn't be cops. Right. Like that's a stupid conversation. So is I think as long as we're honest with each other, because I'm no doubt i've had men and women that have come onto the police department there shouldn't be cops that that, that, that right that physically were not prepared right Amen. It, intellectually they were brilliant right that's great if you're an analyst like we need yeah. that we, but we need to be incredibly balanced you need to be quick on your feet you need to be strong you need to be fast you need to be able to solve problems you need to be able to type and write a paper like it's there's a lot of skills that are involved so we expect people to be well balanced. We got to stop dancing around, not hurting people's feelings. Like, hey, either you you meet a standard or you don't. I don't care if you're male or female. You either meet it or you don't. Some standards are easier for dudes to hit. It's easier for them yeah. to do push-ups than it is for girls. Sure. That's just the way it is. More. But girls... I think training, and this is one of the things we have seen around the country, the all women in law enforcement conferences and trainings, where females, experienced females, are training females, and I think that there's something to be said for that also. Sure. Because I think, again, like minds, and I know one of the first ones I did was down in Miami, and the FBI put it on. And I'll tell you, the FBI female agents that were involved, and one of them is a very dear friend of mine, and she's not much bigger than Julie, and she scares yeah. everybody. There's some bad females. She's a, she's a firearms instructor, for the or was. She's retired now from the Bureau, and every cop that ever met her was like yeah Vicky yeah. scares me a lot right so she had a lot to offer to train other females yeah because again I think there are some things that women can teach women that men can't mm -hmm. just like women shouldn't do a lot of training for men yeah 
because you're right. There are physiological differences in, in ways we can handle things that would be different than you would. I just think no, no one wants to be talked down to. Right. Like you don't want to come to one of my DT classes and me be like, hey, like, you know, we'll we're, go we're going to take you. it easy on you. You're like, right. hit me like you would anybody else. Yeah. Right. Right. You don't want to be talked down to. Nobody does. So, and I, I've seen some female officers are worse with other female officers than any man. Yep. They are, oh my I'm gosh. I'm very judgmental. If you come in and you got eyelashes, we're having a talk. Because we don't wear and eyelashes. How about nails? How do you feel and about we don't nails? And we don't wear nail, nails on patrol. You right. have already put yourself into that section and we're going to have a talk because if you're on scene with me i don't want to babysit i don't have to worry about you and the suspect that i'm fighting right right so we do it we are we will eat our own quicker than shit in this profession because being a strong female that has worked my ass to get where i am i'm what am i pt dt uh just those two right Mm -hmm. yeah something else but so i have yeah i've worked (laughs) that and then you you see these people and that come in i'm like oh hell no uh-uh we're gonna go have a talk and you're gonna either learn how to take a punch right or you're gonna stay off my scenes it's that simple right. if, if you're that type of female i don't want i don't want to have to worry about you because if i right. have to worry about someone else i'm not concentrating on my 100 percent my own safety and i want to go home yeah so and especially if you're going to cry over a broken nail yeah or something and, um, along those lines and now I, on the flip side of that i will direct them i will mentor them if and then if i feel that they're just not that type of female i'm like okay you just you're gonna do nothing but my citations stay out of my way <laughs> right. and it, it's it's a sad world but that's kind of what we live in and dave's uh, dave's pretty good at it too he's like yeah we got this female she doesn't look like much everybody's drooling all over her and i'm like well which are you gonna do are you gonna try to see if you can mentor her or are you just gonna put her into that box and let her possibly get hurt because if you give them the opportunity and they ignore it that's on them but if you don't give them the opportunity then that's on us as as a squad member and a department i'm not big on ground fighting I'm 5'1", 120. I got a lot of muscle, but I can't manhandle Dave or anybody his size. But I will talk until my partner gets there, or I will utilize my other tools, which I'm very well trained in. But again, I got a freaking baton, and I'm trying to hit him. His freaking wingspan is is longer than (laughs) me. So why am I going to do that? I might go to a taser, or I might just hold him at gunpoint. I'm justified at doing that, but I got to be prepared to articulate that. And why? Right. I'm not going to go out with someone that's Dave's height just because I'm a fucking female and I can. I'm going right. to wait and see how the situation unfolds. And maybe I'll just observe until my partner gets there. Right. Because I do want to go home. I don't think that it's... This is this is what bothers me about these conversations. is not the one we're having. Um, but because what we're talking about is just being fair with the people that are around you. Calling them out when they have weaknesses. Yeah. And then, you know, appreciating people's strengths. Like... It, it's not sexist to recognize particular weaknesses, right? We have guys that come in that are that have the same problems and they have other problems, right? They have huge egos and no ability. Yeah. Like that's a huge issue that is way more male in our profession than female technically. Well, like, I've trained hostage negotiators from around the world. And I think there are times women make better negotiators and there are times that they might even make better snipers, to be honest, with the hand-eye coordination. <laughs> Actually, I heard uh, is it the Israeli army where they have a large group of female do. snipers because we're calm. We yes. don't get excited. Yes. We don't have any testosterone. Yes. Yeah. And, no anyway, sorry, I just no, threw that, that out there. But that's true. That's <clears throat> very true. And, and again, it's not to say 
it should only be women because again in negotiation I've also seen where the person that's got the issue has mother issues and the last person I want to talk to is a female right. um, but I think women have an ability to relate and develop that rapport sometimes where a man won't be able to de-escalate it and so again this is why there's there has to be both available and a need for both. It, yeah. it is not exclusive. It can't be. Balancing all things. Yes. But I have to ask this as we start to wrap this up too. <laughs> have y'all seen the video of the couple out to dinner? I think they're on their first anniversary and they're in like a Cane's restaurant. Oh, yeah. And, and the guy both, comes in yep. and they, in a mask and he comes in to yeah. rob the place. And they're both armed and they actually do the <laughs> L and stop it. Would that be your ideal date? I have D- to know. Dave? I'd have to fight her for her gun. Yeah, he'd have to I fight me for my gun. Me. Mine's, mine's We're going to talk about yeah. that because that's an issue. We've actually had those talks like which one of us are going to take the action and which one's going to protect the kids. Right. And that's and he goes to the, the protection side like, I will do what needs to be done to solve the problem. You just protect the kids. So, oh, I thought you were saying he was going to take care of the kids and no. let you handle it. So I think that's actually funny. We have seen that, and it's a great video. It is one reason why you should always be armed, I think. I agree. Um, especially with the current climax of how people are just crazy. But Dave and I have kind of joked about it, uh-huh. but I have no doubt I will be throwing him my gun, and I will be <laughs> covering my child. And, no, and Dave just needs to be carrying his gun, because it's really funny to me when I go out with police officers. I remember going to a movie theater one time, and there was about five or six of us, and they know I'm always armed in places like that, especially. And so I got included in the ops plan of something that should happen. <laughs> yeah. And it was absolutely hilarious. And I'm thinking, what an ideal night out at the movies. Have somebody come in armed, and the five of us are going to handle yeah. it. And they're including me and not going, oh, this is just some crazy old woman. Let her sit here. Yeah. Um, but And that's funny because I don't think that's normal. My sister is... Like when I think about stuff like that, when we're out, she's she calls me jaded. She just doesn't understand that right. that that you never. It's not that you're never off duty. You just always have to be prepared. And the last thing I want to do is have somebody hurt when I had the opportunity to stop them. And that's um, the key. And that's why the public hears that kind of conversation. Goes, what a paranoid bunch of people. And I go, yeah. And it's called being prepared. You run the scenarios because any decent cop who's done the job for any time has sat at the stoplight at a stop and rob at two in the morning and said, what would I do if, Mm -hmm. and you've mentally, you can't prepare for everything, but when you at least get your mind and your body in a focused in a direction that if something goes down, here's how you'll respond. You're going to have a healthier outcome mentally and physically Mm -hmm. because you've, you've not played the Pollyanna of, Oh, this will never happen to me. Those are the ones who really struggle with the issues. Yeah is the ones who've said it'll never happen. Well, you're just, you're avoiding solving a problem. And it's scary because in some of the academy classes where I have taught, I actually, one of the scenarios I ask, and I get them the first, usually the first week, and I will never forget um, asking about, and fortunately we had a lot of military people in there, but I said, how many of you would like to be Sheriff Taylor in Mayberry? Some have no idea who Sheriff Taylor in Mayberry is, which really hurts my feelings. But then I actually had one on the front row, young guy, and he raised his hand and he said, I'll take that job. And I'm thinking, huh? And he goes, I'll be happy to take that job and never have to carry a gun. And I had to ask who he worked for and he happened to have been hired by the agency where I live. And I'm thinking, then I'll just handle whatever happens in my house because I ain't calling 911 if that's what's coming. 
and I'm looking at the RTOs in the back, and they're reading me, thinking, yeah, she's going, he got to go. I think he lasted three weeks. And it's not that he's a bad person. No. just not fit for but the But that's job. not somebody who, he doesn't have the mental preparation or even possibility, if you're thinking that in the first week. Well, people connect the idea of being a warrior, like, right, so me confronting another person in violence, right? Right. That's That's negative, right? But there's... There's a reason that that has been an honorable place to stand sure. as a member of society forever, forever. It's because there is, you you understand that there's something to defend against, mm-hmm. and you're willing to go be and one. be hurt or killed to do that, sure. right? And we've we're pretty safe now. We we don't have to fight for our food. We don't have to go. We, you know, <laughs> the dinosaurs have left the planet. Yeah, we're yes, not we're not fighting absolutely. over firewood to keep our kids warm. Like right. there's it, there there's a lot of safety now. So the value of that mindset is a lot less because it's it doesn't seem necessary to a lot of people because sure. they'll go their whole life and never have a yeah. violent encounter, and or their parents have or whatever. They don't see the necessity of it, and that's that's fine. I think it's an education thing. Sure. I, I don't I just don't think that they have the wisdom of our fathers. That's what well, I like and I wish the public understood that warriors can be peacekeepers and guardians. They should but be. But peacekeepers and guardians are not always warriors. Right. And I don't think, and that's when the department started going to all that terminology change, we want you to be peacekeepers and guardians. Yeah. I, I think that was a huge mistake. My, my DT instructor, I won't name him because I don't know if he'll get in trouble, but the, the manual in our academy said it was it was a guardian mentality and he goes that's bullshit it is <laughs> this is this is a warrior mentality you have right. to be ready to face certain things you're not just standing there waiting for them to hit you you know you have to be prepared to confront danger and evil and all kinds yeah. of stuff so it's and in it's that you're training though also not just warrior 24 7 right. but also the peacekeeper the guardian because again when you look at the different hats y'all wear you know, I used to laugh, and when I teach this in the academies, I have to show a picture of a pager. Nobody knows what a pager is. I have to show them what a payphone looks like. I have to show them what a phone book looks like. And I said it used to be that if somebody had snake in a drain, they'd look it up in the yellow pages, snake in a drain, and if there was nothing listed, I must call 911. You were seen as the problem solvers that you are for everything. Car breaks down. Uh, it's after hours, so I must call a cop. He it, must it be the one to fix up. it. We have spent, what, the last 25 years promoting 911, and yes. now they're calling us for those reasons. Yes. And now society is blaming us when we're going to take enforcement action on something that they called us for. Yes. That's the weird thing that I'm watching right now is we have really instilled this this dependency on 911 mm-hmm. for since I was a child. Sure. Absolutely. And now we are there for mental health issues that we shouldn't be involved in. Absolutely. And then now we're getting prosecuted because we had to take certain actions in those mental health disabilities. But I hate to tell you this, your crisis team calls us when it's combative <laughs> or, a, you know, or a, uh, any weapons are involved. Of course. Fire calls us yep. when it's combative or there's a weapon involved. So you're calling us, you're expecting us to deal with this, but yet you're expecting us to deal with it at a level that we're not trained as. True. And yet we're the ones, those people that are training yep. for it. They're still calling us. Yes. So you guys are putting us in this. Um, in it's this, a no uh, win. Yeah, it's a no win. We're in the corner no matter which way we go. Absolutely. And that's the the thing that I'm seeing now is that it's, is it going to stop us from doing what we need to do to make sure everybody's safe? No. no. But the it's rate that we're getting. Numbers. Yeah. Nobody wants to do people this job are now, because of the high risk. And people are now that's afraid of doing part. stuff. Am I going to get sued? Yes. Um, Am I going to go to jail? Yeah. 
we're just going to jail. Or go to jail. And Absolutely. We, we have a lot of people coming over from other agencies right now that their policies back there are keeping them from actually taking a step here because they don't know if I pat this person down, am I going to get sued? Sure. Um, yeah. Some places are knives aren't yielding a knife isn't a deadly force situation. Right. So they're acting at a different level than we are. And here we're trying to train a six year officer on how to go back to an officer safety issue. It is. It is it's insane. A mess. Yeah, it's a mess right now. And now we've got a sheriff, I understand, out of Georgia, don't know his name, would like to find out his name, um, who is teaching shoot to wound. And I'm oh, thinking, yeah. seriously, we're having a hard enough time getting people to hit the mask. Hit them, the yeah. largest. Now we want them to hit a hand or a leg yeah. that's constantly moving. And guess what? You could hit a femoral artery and they can still die. Yeah. It ain't going to be just a wounding. Yeah, and so it's just complicating an already complex situation. And then you have the dopers that call 911 because somebody stole their doper or ripped yeah. them off. Better that go, call. Yeah. Seriously, you know, how easy does this get? Yeah, I think in a way it's good that crazy people are like chiefs like this guy or sheriff. Mm-hmm. Or, or My shoot to wound, is a right? sheriff, yeah. Well, because these, these political stunts that turn into policy, they're, uh-huh. they're pretty well hidden most of the time. We hope. This one's pretty obvious, right? So it escalates, right? The pendulum swings. If it's already getting there to where we're shooting people in the legs... Um, well, you're going to be hitting innocent people in the backdrop is what's going to happen. We're bound to hit the apex of that pendulum swing. It's yeah. going to start Let's swinging the other way. That's okay. Hurry. I just hope it does it within my lifetime. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, yeah, because it, when, who was it I was talking to? Um, I think it was Rich Mack. Uh-huh. Uh, and he was talking about the patterns of law enforcement. He's our how, lieutenant friend up in New York that was on the podcast. How society tends to hate and then love law enforcement. It goes through 30-year cycles. That's a long-ass cycle. I don't think we can afford that. And I was like, I feel like we're at the bottom of this one. I don't want to really spend the next 20 years of my career at the yeah, bottom swing it. of that. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, uh, like... And then the good stuff comes and you retire. I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, and Dave's over here looking like I just got a couple more years. That's I'm it. Dead. I'm out anyway. Oh man, I know. Yeah, but it, it, we we're needed either way, and sure. whether or not they're using us for what we're meant to be used for, I I, I still think it's better with us out there than it would be without us. Sure. So oh, it's yeah. like absolutely you know, without without question. Do what you can, and I don't know, dodge the rest. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really sure how to navigate that. Well, and we appreciate you guys' willingness to come in and talk about the personal and the professional, and because I think that there's probably a lot more law enforcement married couples out there than than we see on a regular basis. Yeah, and I think it's a whole different dynamic of issues that can come into play with kids yeah. and all of it. It's not easy. We didn't even like really touch the the issue, the topic of like being female and working in a male-dominated situation with a bunch of scumbags that don't care to, you know, about their families at home and and fighting through that. That's oh, a sure. whole nother episode. The it cheating. Is. Yes. We it, see it a lot. Sure. And it's a it, it's literally like an illness yeah. in this. Uh-huh. It is yeah. ridiculous. It's, I couldn't believe it. People would talk about it before I got in, and they're like, oh, yeah, marriage <laughs> yeah. and law enforcement's a bad idea. Like, yeah. these guys, they're, they're awful. And it's like, I, I grew up with a lot of military people, and I saw that in the military life. And I was like, that's why I didn't want to, I decided yeah. against that at one point. And I got married instead. And then when I got in, actually into my department to have two guys next to me who I met their wives, wives. and they're talking about these two girls they're going to go out with after mm-hmm. shift that are not their wives. Right. And I was like, what is going on? Yeah. Like, it's normal. They it's, weren't even yeah. ashamed of it next to me. Right. Yeah. I was like, what? What's it, happening? Yeah, like, this is, is not okay. I don't well, get it. And I'm not defending. It, look, we've just got some 
like every profession, there are some dirt bags. That's all there is to it. Sure, sure. But the reality is, again, when you're in an academy and you're teaching a lifestyle like this, personal and professional are separate, you are instilling this is a real problem. Because if I can't talk to my spouse, Gotta talk to somebody. I'm talking to somody. Yeah. And then the little female out here at the Waffle House or wherever who's well, telling me and wonderful. Yeah. Wherever. So you're the wife is wearing sweats and a t-shirt, hairs in yes. a ponytail, never puts makeup on. And then you come to work and you got, like, I feel, like, do I need makeup at work? I very, I wear very minimal, but mm -hmm. it actually makes me feel a little bit more human. Um, I don't feel beautiful. I feel like that's what I need to be secure in myself. Sure. I look like shit when I don't have makeup on. <laughs> so I, I want to look a little bit, you know, maybe a little eyeliner, um, some powder to keep some oil down, but that's about it. Sure. But then you look and... I've got, I just showered. Yeah, I've just showered. I've got my body spray on. You know, it wears off. I smell like a fucking trash can by the time the shift's over. <laughs> but at least right at the beginning, and now you've got these male cops that are coming in, and it's like, well, how come she looks like this come to work, and my wife hasn't showered in two days? And in my academy, they gave a short um, discussion on that generated mm -hmm. to the men that I work with, not mm -hmm. the, not us, because we don't have to worry about dispatch. They said, stay out of dispatch. These girls are going to have makeup on. They're going to be giving you treats. They're not, they're going to make you feel comfortable that you're not getting at home because of the relationship that you guys have just working. Stay out of it. So and they've it was, instilled that in and the And they've academy. instilled that. And it's yeah. funny because I can't tell you in 30 years, I know this will shock you too in here that know me, but there are actually males that were younger than, a lot younger than me when I first started this, who suddenly, because I could sit and relate and talk to them, I'm their soulmate. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, really? Come spend 45 minutes in my house with me. You will run for the hills. I promise as Dave is nodding. <laughs> and confirmed. Yeah. Um, but it's, there again, are times. <laughs> instead of training, teaching to pull this family together and be a unit in the lifestyle together, we instill it in the academies with this concept yeah. of separate it. It, that's that is probably one of the worst things we could do for marriages in law enforcement. It sounds almost like an artificial schizophrenia. Yeah, like where you're creating two personalities. Yes, and two different yeah. people. And then you add undercover into that mix. Oh yeah. And now they do have a whole different life and everything out here, and then they still have the family oh, component yeah. well, here. I mean, we had Brock on, and he talked about yes. how his entire life changed because yes. of the way he was dealing with stuff, like the drug addiction and everything. Yes. It, like, his whole life blew apart. Yes. Because he couldn't, can't serve two masters. That's it. That's yeah. just the way it is. And so there's a, there's a whole lot of that that I don't understand why law enforcement hasn't come to the... I mean, it isn't for lack of education. We try to tell them these are training issues, training issues, training issues, but they still have a hard time. You know how, how how you've had a hard time, Dave, trying to get our training over in the West Valley right. for years. And again, but then we all sit back and go, oh my God, he's been divorced five times. Well, I wonder why. Well, they're well because police departments aren't on the news for how many divorces their officers are in there and how many shootings of black people they're in. Right. And so they're it, training racial bias training and yeah. firearms training and how to de-escalate. And, and guess what? People might be healthier if they're healthier at home. They have that idea that as long as it's not at work, as long as it's not on duty, yes. you can't be reprimanded for it. Even though the relationship, the connection might have started at work, as long right. as they keep it out of work, 
it's that's their own personal life departments can't do anything although we look at it as an integrity issue um dave's got a great perspective you're sleeping with my wife how can i trust you to have my back right and that's a huge concern and you know departments for the longest time though that was their attitude oh that's personal we don't get involved in personal stuff until somehow it it offends the chief the sheriff yeah, somebody at the top like so it's it's kind of hit or miss it's picking well, it the, the mm-hmm. perfect manifestation of that was we had on tua right yes and so this department he has a conversation for whatever reason they think he's suicidal right um details don't matter really so the department thinks he's suicidal that's a problem they go to his house they don't offer counseling they don't do anything they take his gun and they take his badge and they leave and they provide nothing oh wow how much does that highlight that they're just like, ooh, yeah, no, we're just going to separate ourselves from the problem yeah. right. instead we're of... here for you. Yeah. yeah. Right? yeah. Well, yeah. And that was the sad part, that it was peer support, and he was oh, part wow. of peer support. It was his own damn team. And he was talking about why he had wanted to be a part of peer support nine years ago, because that's what was going on in his life. They overreacted, and the outcome was sit him at home take his badge and gun well, and, and only take the the department issued gun because if you're going to kill yourself don't do it with our gun right they're just removing liability and it's like i get it like even if they overreacted that's fine that's fine if you thought he was going to kill himself get him some help but they, you probably should ask him yeah. there was there, first there were probably some steps after that that you should have taken that yeah. were not taken. There definitely were it's some like steps. I, I get not being in, like i am not educated enough whether whether or not to know if dave wants to kill himself i do not have that education if he said a couple of key phrases to me i might assume pretty accurately that he wants to kill himself but i could be totally wrong because i'm not a freaking psychologist and i don't know these things sure so and i get it i just want to protect my friend i want to make sure i'm not liable like there's there's a lot of things there that i'm worried about you just do the right thing after that but departments it's it sucks because i think it's like this long chain of issues right where like the chief can't actually stand up for anything he believes in because they can just replace him like that sure because that's what they do with chiefs now when they don't agree with the council level Mm -hmm. and so the chief just does whatever he thinks will keep him politically in favor which helps no one but what seems like himself and he may be a decent human sure but he feels like his hands are tied so now he's acting like an idiot which makes the department act like idiots Mm -hmm. and it just works its way down the chain until everybody just is a yes man and then we're all wondering why isn't there any training? Well, it's because the the system that we're giving into is not allowing that. And guess where all that garbage winds up at home? In my, I was gonna say in my living room. Yeah. In your living room, yeah. or your kitchen, yeah. with a wife or husband going, I don't even know what this is about or what I'm supposed to do here. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's an issue. Yeah, and that's that's one of the pros of both being in law enforcement is we kind of know. Um, and then the con to that is, yeah, your agency might be great in this one. Mine's not. I'm just, I, all I can do is just keep working and, and working at my level, not theirs, mm-hmm. until it gets better. And that's one of the cons is because it's, um, well, why don't you change it? Or why don't you say something about it? And like, I don't have stripes. Right. Like, I can scream as loud as I want to my sergeant, but if my sergeant doesn't do it or my lieutenant doesn't care, because guess what? Once you get into those positions, you still have some really good ones, but for the most part, they're going to do what they, their whole responsibility is what is best for the department. Sure. And the yeah. ones that fight for their guys are usually the ones that have the most doors shut in their face. So they even learn over time. Sure. So at the same time, it's just like, I'm just going to go to work. I'm going to work my way and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And 
he's over here like, why do you even try? Because this is where he's at in his 18 years, and I'm yeah. still like, nope, I'm going to work. This yep. is what I'm doing. Yep. And it's... um. There's, it, there's also a level of hope and naivety that we have yeah. at the beginning of that. Where you, yeah, you had it one time many years ago. You just don't remember it. It's been so long ago. When I was even going to say 12 <laughs> years, I mean, you, you probably even see a change in your personality where it's like, I could say something, but that's really not going to do anything. Yeah. I didn't get there. <laughs> I, no, I was, you might. I, I was. He, he I was talked all the time. I was still telling lieutenants in meetings, like debriefings with the whole SWAT team, like, "That's dumb. Why do we do that? We should change that, Lieutenant." Mm -hmm. And he's like, "Shut up." Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> and I look around the room, and I know everyone agrees with me, but yeah. it's like, why isn't anybody talking? That's because I'm a moron, and I didn't see beyond that conversation, right? Yeah. But it's like in the moment, you're like, "Why is nobody fixing this?" And it's like it's it's not as simple as that, even though for God's yeah. sake it should be. It should be. It could Absolutely. be and should be. Yeah. And that's that's and that's where the seasoned ones like yeah. Dave who I've learned. Yes, he has right. learned. I have learned to keep my mouth shut at work. Yeah. But I used worked. to be the voice. I mean I yeah. if something was wrong I used to go in and I used to scream and holler and pick it apart. But and I was at some point, I don't remember who it was, tell me, he, instead of bitching and hollering, bring us a solution. Yes. Yeah. And that's the biggest struggle that most of us have we like cops like to bitch yes. i like to complain about everything I, do, I got a brand new rifle well it's too big for my gun rack we'll go to the shop and get it fixed you know instead of bitching about a brand new rifle right solve a problem yes be appreciative that you got a brand new rifle yeah and you have learned that but i think a lot of that came from your three critical incidents and your department backing you that right. gave you a level of confidence now that I don't have to yell and scream from every mountaintop. Right. I can go in and have a conversation with the chief or the lieutenant or whoever it is I need to talk to because they backed you up in at a time that a lot of officers don't know if their departments are going to back them up on right. stuff or not. And then you got involved, more involved in the association where you had even a louder voice. Right. And an ability to walk in and go, here's the problem, but here's what we would like to do to solve it. Right. And that's what it takes. Yeah. And it's it's how you present solutions, right? Yes. I was never short of solutions. I don't know if they were all good, <laughs> but I had plenty of suggestions because I'm so brilliant. Um, and I can just solve all the problems that a department has. It, so I had answers. I mean, my own answers, not saying they were the best answers, but it's what I had come up with for a particular problem, right? Because I appreciate that. People just bitching and moaning about something that annoys me too sure. it's like for god's sake fix it we're fixers it's like we have the tools let's do something about it so i'd put something together and i again it's how you do it we've yes. had a whole episode on this don't do it how i did it do it how dave does it Maybe. and again had you been in some major critical incidents well i had no yourself? credibility that right. was it it was i was right. there screaming solutions and pointing at lieutenants and commanders like that's dumb here's a good way to fix it and they're like who the fuck are you? <laughs> like, it's like, I'm a, I, I'm a 30 year old guy. Like I've lived some life. They're like, yeah, yeah. But you've only been here for a couple of years. Shut up. Be quiet. And it's like, <laughs> that doesn't make me a moron. And what, what I didn't appreciate and what I, what I do understand now, even if I right or wrong, it is what it is. You have to earn a place of respect yes. before you are taken seriously. And that, I mean, maybe that's to our detriment sometimes, right? Maybe there's some brilliant kids coming in here that we just don't trust yet. I still think it's a good idea to understand what they're willing to live and die for before we start taking their advice. And I didn't appreciate that at the time. Sure. Um, and that cost me some relationships. But that's... that's and, cost you a job. <laughs> yeah, to some effect it did. A little minor detail, but anyway. And, uh, you know, and I think that's something that you have that I didn't have, right? Which is why 
we could say the same thing in the same meeting, but people would listen to you when you say it. Yes. And I don't think that's wrong. I, right. I think there's a reason for that. It's like, well, Dave said it's okay, so we, we'll do that. Well, like, and, I've been saying that for two months. It's like, yeah, but Dave said it now. Yeah. <laughs> but And again, but that's where young ones should also learn to go to the veterans and for say, sure. hey, what do you think about this idea? And you go... Well, we probably need to present it from this direction instead, yeah, and and have more of a united front than it being some the new kid on the block going, man, y'all really been screwing the pooch here for the last yeah. thirty years. Yeah, not good. And, and yeah. I had to learn that when I went to the association. It's just like the chief is the chief. Yes, this is his place. He's going to do battles. what he wants. We just have to present him with facts. Yes, this is what the people feel. Yes, this is how right. they think we can solve it. And then you either say yay or nay, and I'll go back and tell them you said yay or nay. Yes, that's it. Yeah. But it's going to be on him. But everybody, when I first started, wanted me to be the bulldog to go in there and, oh, he's going to take care. No. Nope. I, I understand the politics here. Yes. And you have to <laughs> do And that. you have to do it the right way. Absolutely. And we have gotten more by going in and doing it that way than we've yes. done any other way. Yes. For sure. Yes. For sure. And I have great respect for your chief because of that. And he no, seems, he's, he's been awesome. He seems to be open-minded and progressive. And doesn't do things just because he can beat himself on the chest and say, I'm the chief. Right. And I think he does want the best that for lot. the department. Yes. You don't talk yeah. about chiefs like that. I really don't, well, do I? Now, that can change. That's always subject to change <laughs> tomorrow. Oh, I'm aware. The way that they treated him after each shooting was phenomenal. I've, yep. I worked for an agency where there was a few shootings. And the way that some of my fellow officers were, treat, were treated, um, just for lack of, it was a small department. We just didn't know experience. at the time. Right. The experience sure. was gone. Sure. And it... it a good handful of them have either retired or quit. Um, so to watch Dave go through three of them and the way that everybody in that department, even people that he thought had little respect for him, um, really said a lot about about that department. Sure. For sure. sure. Well, we need to wrap this up. we got to have them back because I think there's a lot of discussions. that. Oh, we haven't even hit the cons. Wow. We haven't even hit the reason why we come here. That's a whole other episode, and I think that's something that we do need to dig out because I I don't think there's enough of these kinds of conversations out there for people to really start to look at and go, you know what, there's probably stuff we can learn from all of and, this. And she invites everyone back, but I really do think that there's a lot more here. Absolutely. To be oh, I have about. no doubt. And not uh, just because you guys are screwed up. No, <laughs> as no. interesting as that is. Hey, hey, so, hey, we're on the right path. I, hey, I can Don't say that. Down, I'm, I'm, in, I'm on the same page. Yeah, but you're, you're a work in progress. But, um, yeah, but it's all good. It's all good. Um, but, no, we appreciate y'all taking the time to come in and open up and talk because this is the kind of stuff that has to happen Everybody wants to talk about tactical things and stuff, but nobody really wants to talk about aftermaths or home life or personal sides. And we're not going to change things if we don't start to acknowledge these are common problems all over this country, Canada, Europe, everywhere I've ever dealt with law enforcement. We see the same kinds of things, but we're doing absolutely nothing about it. Yeah. And it's well, time it's- for people to step up. It's like Chuck said, mm-hmm. the problem in law enforcement is we're hiring humans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we can start getting drones out there and yeah. and robots. We can saw I I will be unemployed. And and understand like just sitting and talking with you guys for a little bit, I got the tiniest glimpse at your relationship, right? And going into it, I can obviously see that your relationship is different than me and my wife, right? You're both cops. It's a little different. Sure. But in the end, you're still a man and a woman trying to raise a family, trying to do what you believe in and make trying to, to work hard and make it to retirement, yeah. kick some ass on the way. Like you 
you're the same as we are, right? Yes. Problems are a little different on the face, but really when you dig down, it's the same shit. Yep. Yeah. We all deal with the same kind of stuff. And the more we talk about it, the more we understand each other, the it, the more educated we are. And like we talked about, education changes perspective, which allows us to deal with stuff way better. True. So that's, this is exactly the kind of stuff that people need to hear. And we hope our listeners will leave comments and things. And I know they can do that on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Yep. Not Spotify? I don't think there's comments on Spotify, no. But you can always email us, too. Go to undertheshield.com. Our emails are on there. Phone numbers are there. Uh, Please, if you need us, families included, call us at 855-889-2348. Or my cell is 334-324-3570. Um, reach I have out her to own us. Speed dial. She <laughs> I texted her yesterday, right before I went to bed. Yeah, she's in my phone as bucket of water. <laughs> I light my life on fire. I had somebody tell me I was in their phone as as cop helper. And oh, I yeah. thought, well, there's, that's one way to look at yeah, it. Yeah, mine says whatever. bucket of water, and then in like the in the last name part because it has it all small below that. It says shrink because I didn't know what you were when I met you. Mine whatever. is the reason I don't kill Dave. <laughs> there you go. Whatever, I don't even care. Yeah. Um, but thank you for all of this, for your time, for your sacrifices that all of you make, and all of you that are listening, especially you families who get absolutely no recognition of yeah. anything. Been there, done that. Uh, but we hope you'll stay tuned and come back and see us next week. It'll be another mystery guest. We never seem to know a week ahead That's why it's so fun. That's right. Yeah. That's the excitement. You Always turns out nice. What we're going to have. So yeah. If you guys want, if you guys have people that you want us to interview yes. or you have suggestions or if you want to come on the show, yeah. uh, you can come on our Facebook page and you mm-hmm. can message us or message Susan. You can call her directly or text her. That would be even funnier. <laughs> And if, uh, if you don't like any of those and you want to like comment on one of our podcast pages, SoundCloud is going to be the easiest one. You can comment and message oh, me and okay. I can get you every week when I upload. I will look at those um, and I will message you back uh, as soon as I can within the couple of days that we record. So reach out. Let us know. If you want to come on the show, let's party. It'd be awesome. We'd love to tear you apart on Absolutely. radio. Absolutely. This is That'll my first fun. time. Yes. Yeah. And they'll be back. We, we don't bite hard. I do have a red man stick that I can use on occasion. If I I've only to. ever seen you use it on me, though. <laughs> I don't know. Dave's probably got some some bruises, but at <laughs> least threatened. Yeah. yeah. Well, that happens plenty. Well, thanks, guys. We appreciate y'all coming, yep. joining us for the conversation, and we'll see you next time. Yes. Bye.